There's a superstition that if moths get into your house, they represent enemies who are doing you great injury, and it can also be an omen that you're about to argue with your lover. Is it entirely fair that moths have such a reputation for bringing death and disaster everywhere that they go? Let's find out in this week's episode of Fabulous Folklore. Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host, Icy Sedgwick, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Well, hello there and welcome back to Fabulous Vogler with me, your host, Icy Sedgwick. I hope that January is treating you well. I can't believe that it's nearly the end of the month already. And don't forget, next month is going to be freaky February. So we're going to be looking at some really quite peculiar things, beginning with the superstitions and folklore around premature burial. So, you know, if that's not fun and japes, I don't know what is. This is, however... Our final week of the Creatures of the Night series and I thought the best way to wrap this one up is with another listener request for the folklore and superstitions of moths. I'm not going to lie, I wasn't really a fan of moths before I started researching this but then as I did and I was like, oh okay, I've been getting them completely wrong all this time. I think I've got a slightly different perspective on them now so who knows, maybe you'll change your mind as well. Let's find out, eh? Now moths aren't exactly popular insects And within folklore, they're typically viewed as being either messengers from the dead or symbols of death. So they don't really get a a lot of positivity ascribed to them, unlike butterflies. And there is some of the symbolism that crosses over with that of the butterfly. And it's quite easy to see why people confuse them, because they both belong to the Lepidoptera family. And T.R. New points out that people will like butterflies and dislike moths. And to be honest, until I did this episode, that was me. Anyway... This boils over into folklore with butterflies viewed as fairies and moths as witches, which does seem like a little bit of an unfair way of doing things. Moths actually evolved first, and there are some fossils that have been found which show moths might actually be a whopping 200 million years old, and they basically came along before butterflies did. But like bats, who we looked at a couple of weeks ago, they're also subject to plenty of myths as well. And it turns out that the adults won't eat your clothes or ruin fabric because they actually largely feed on nectar. But the larvae of the moths will quite happily chew through anything that's put in front of them. The other thing that was a really big misconception that I found is that there are actually species of moths that come out during the day. So the whole butterflies out during the day and moths out during the night belief is actually not quite right. So, you know, keep that one in mind if you're ever at a pub quiz. But let's see what else we can learn about these much maligned insects. First of all, does the colour of the moth matter? Now, I hadn't realised that they came in quite so many weird and wonderful varieties. I mean, there's one that's practically neon green. So does the colour matter? And according to the otherworldly oracle, in Appalachian folklore, white moths meant that ancestors were present. And the website Butterfly Insight points out that Guajiro of Colombia actually believed the same thing. Now, for them, they believed that if this moth became a nuisance, the family needed to take great care when they were removing it, otherwise the spirit might come back to take revenge. Black moths are a little bit more difficult to classify because some people seem to think that they represent death, and we're going to look at two of those moths in a minute, whereas other people think that black moths kind of signify things like spirituality or universal mysteries, so they're seen in a slightly more spiritual light than than the people who think that they're just death. 
And the otherworldly oracle actually says that brown moths represent the need to cleanse your life. And she compares their tendency to eat anything from your pantry or closet to a symbolic form of cleansing. Obviously, we're going to assume that's the larvae, not the actual moths themselves. And Butterfly Insight agrees, saying that they, quote, represent the process of slow, unseen destruction of the things we cherish the most, end quote. So who knows, maybe Marie Kondo actually took her inspiration from brown moths. And incidentally, the otherworldly oracle also says that brown moths are a sign to be cautious about who you trust. So basically, you can kind of see them as that idea of if they're going to go through your pantry and closet and just eat whatever's there, you should probably start cleaning out these areas of your life that kind of have been a bit neglected and so on. Now, the other thing that's quite big around symbolism for moths is obviously this whole idea of them being drawn towards light. And obviously we see them fluttering around light bulbs now, but in earlier times this would have been naked flames. And Butterfly Insight notes that this attraction to light then becomes a desire for inspiration or enlightenment, which you would think is a good thing, but obviously it could also spell the end of the moth if it gets too close to the fire. And this does represent the danger of devoting yourself to learning to the exclusion of everything else in your life. So obviously that's not very nice for the moth, if it flies into the flame and basically sets itself on fire. And there is a superstition that if a moth flies towards a candle and actually puts out the flame, it means that someone in the house will die. So you can see why people start going, oh my God, it's a moth, it's death. So it's kind of understandable. But we're going to have a look at two of the more notorious moths that seem to quite regularly pop up in folklore. And the first is, and this has got a spectacular name, the Black Witch Moth. And I just think that would be an amazing metal band name. And this is found in the southern United States and then actually all the way down to Brazil. So mostly Central America, but it does kind of cover, as I say, the southern US and Brazil as well. And in Central American folklore, it usually represents death or misfortune, especially if it enters the house of a sick person. There is a photo of one on my blog and that's just www.icsedgwick.com forward slash moths hyphen folklore. And they are gorgeous. They really are and some people actually think that they, they get them confused with bats because of the way that they fly. And they're massive as well. And the, But the associations with these ones, weirdly enough, aren't all bad. And Mike Quinn points out that they do represent death in Hawaii, but they also symbolise the soul. So if you actually saw one shortly after a loved one's death, it was actually their soul returning, sort of to say like a final goodbye, which is a little bit more positive than the death is coming sort of things that you get elsewhere. And on Cat Island in the Bahamas, they're actually known as money moths. And if one lands on you, it means that money is on the way. And incidentally, there is a belief in South Texas that if one of them lands above your door and just kind of hangs around for a little while, it means you're going to win the lottery. I would imagine this must have happened at least once for someone to come up with that particular meaning, but that, that was an awfully specific one. Now, the other one that we're going to have a look at is the Death's Head Hawk Moth. And if you've ever seen The Silence of the Lambs, you will have seen one of these moths. And it's actually on the, the poster as well, so it's the moth that's over Jodie Foster's face. And it's so named because the markings on the back of its thorax resemble a skull. And their scientific name is the Asherontia atropos. And atropos is the third of the Greek fates. So basically the, the Greek fates, you've got Clotho who spins the thread of life. So she kind of, you know, deals with the beginnings of your life. You've got Lachesis who then measures it. And then Atropos at the end snips it off with her great scissors. So quite a lot of people obviously then see her as being like the goddess of death when she's really just doing her job. And the Asheron part of 
the scientific name, actually refers to the river of pain in the Greek underworld. So if you're an insect and you're named after the river of pain and the fate that basically ends life, you can see why you've got quite a lot of deathly associations around it. And there are actually two other types of moth in the same family. So you've got the Asherontia Styx, which is named after the river Styx in the Greek underworld, which is obviously the river that the dead cross to enter the underworld. And then you've also got the Asherontia Lachesis, which, as I say, is the fate who measures the thread of life. So really, what chance did this moth have of being seen in any kind of positive fashion? And just finally, to add to its deathly reputation, the larvae also feed on deadly nightshades. So really, I think we've got probably got the hat trick there. And they always appear in art and literature as bad omens. Dracula sends them to Renfield in, in the novel Dracula. And according to Butterfly Conservation, one is actually used as a prophecy of doom in Thomas Hardy's novel, The Return of the Native. And pre-Raphaelite artist William Holman Hunt, whose work I absolutely adore, uses one as a love token in his painting The Hireling Shepherd. And it's basically shorthand for saying this relationship is a terrible idea. And one rumour claims that King George III suffered one of his bouts of madness, in inverted quotes, after someone found two of the moths in his bedroom. Nobody knows if the king actually ever saw them, but here obviously their face and reputation precedes them. And I just think it's a bit of a shame because to me they look really cool, but obviously to most people they're apparently quite terrifying. Surprisingly, there wasn't as many superstitions around moths as I was expecting. And when you go looking for them, nine times out of ten, it's the butterflies and moths represent this. But obviously there is a difference between them. And according to Cora Lynn Daniels and C.M. Stevens, having a moth flying around you at night meant that you'd get a letter. And I did actually find this one quite regularly, that just seeing a moth implied an important letter was on the way. Which is weird, because on one hand you've got, oh my god, that means death, and then, oh my god, I'm going to get some mail. So it's a bit of a weird, I suppose, unless you got a letter saying a loved one had died, then I guess I can understand where the association comes from. Yes, that's why I named the podcast episode what I did. That's why they're bringers of death and letters. So there, there was method in my madness. And Daniels and Stevens also included a slightly unusual belief that I didn't find anywhere else, that moths are actually angels, which makes a bit of a change from them being doubled with the soul. And if you follow on from this, it meant that if a moth was fluttering around a light, it was actually a sign to anyone watching that the immortals were wishing them well, which is actually, again, quite nice. And Daniels and Stevens also relate a further superstition that if moths get into your house, they represent enemies who are doing you great injury and it can be an omen that you're about to argue with your lover. They also share a belief from Virginia and Maryland that if a moth spins a cocoon in your house, someone's going to die and if it does this among your clothes, you're going to wear a burial shroud within a year. So again, it's this idea of, oh, the moth, that means death. Obviously, it isn't very nice. But... It was quite funny when I was looking for things because a lot of the moth superstitions and whatnot do get quite repetitive, to say the least. And then, of course, I came across like the, the big thing from the 20th century involving a moth of sorts. And I thought, you know what, we can't do an episode on moths and not talk about the Mothman. And yeah, this was a weird thing to start looking into. I have seen the Mothman Prophecies film, but never really took took that much interest and obviously now I think I'll rewatch it. But anyway, let's head to Point Pleasant in West Virginia and between November the 12th, 1966 and December the 15th, 1967, various reports claim to have seen a mysterious creature. Sometimes it was just flying overhead, sometimes it was in the road. 
And to some people, it was sort of a humanoid figure. Other people kind of described it as being quite bird-like and others described it as glowing red eyes. But all of the reports noticed this, the, the huge wings that this creature has. And couples reported seeing it following their car when they drove past a former munitions plant. And in an article in the Point Pleasant Register, two of the eyewitnesses actually said that the figure apparently wanted to avoid their car headlights, which weirdly doesn't sound very moth-like, does it? But anyway... One eyewitness blamed it for the disappearance of his German shepherd dog and a local sheriff and a biologist believed that it was either a heron or a sandhill crane. And the crane actually sounds like a particularly good match because it's huge and it has a seven foot wingspan and also red markings around its eyes. And while they don't live in the area, the biologist thought that it might have kind of been blown off course a little bit. But the Mothman may never have made it beyond the local news if it wasn't for a tragic accident. So people just simply saying the figure was one thing. But then on December the 15th, 1967, the Silver Bridge collapsed, which killed 46 people. And at this point, people started connecting the collapse and the sightings. So people believed that the Mothman only appeared just before tragedy struck, which then turned the figure into a bad omen. You can probably see where I'm going with this. And John Keel wrote the book The Mothman Prophecies in 1975, which helped to popularise the legend, and that's what the 2002 film was based on. Now, folklorist Jan Harold Brunvan looked into it, and he didn't exactly dismiss the tales, but he did sort of hint that something genuine might have been like the original nugget that sparked the hysteria, but then it got tied in with existing folklore, and that's when the story took off. Other people actually pointed out there was a number of hoaxes that appeared after the original sightings and obviously people were then trying to rationalise what had been seen so you could actually replicate the glowing eyes by shining lights at animals with reflective eyes. And also let's not forget Mothra and this fictional Japanese creature first appeared in the film Mothra in 1961 and sometimes she's shown as a huge caterpillar and at other times she's like a huge moth. So could people have been subconsciously influenced by this strange cinematic figure? Who knows? Now, what does the Mothman actually have to do with moths? In all honesty, probably nothing. And many of the reports actually seem more concerned with the figure's resemblance to a bird. But the fact is, it evolved into a Mothman, and I think that that is important to the development of the legend that people went with the moth associations, not the bird ones. And people were saying that the sightings and the bridge collapse were kind of connected as a form of premonition. And the Mothman then became seen as this harbinger of doom. Would people have been able to make these connections if it wasn't for the associations between moths and death? Now, despite the range of sightings and the reports, the red eyes and the moth wings do remain constant. And so much so that they dominate the huge statue of the figure actually in Point Pleasant now. And it does seem strange that a figure so wholly based on moths would try to avoid car headlights. And despite the high number of believers, even now, like the, and there is a ridiculous number of reports, like at least 100 people apparently have seen it, although it's difficult to actually pin down an actual number or find many of the original reports. And it's unlikely that the Mothman really exists, but he does act as a focal point for our fears about moths and their mythical ability to bring death. Some people have even tried to say, oh, the Mothman has been spotted before, and then they the list off a whole load of things that have happened, like 9-11 and the Fukushima disaster in Chernobyl, and they've tried to say, actually, there have been sightings just before these other major incidents, but it all just seems a little bit coincidental, and nobody's ever been able to take a photograph, really. Like, there are some kicking around, but you 
obviously in the days of Photoshop, who knows how genuine any of them are. But anyway, the point I'm interested in is the moth part of the Mothman, not whether it exists or not. So it it does make you wonder if he would have taken a different form if moth didn't have this association with death. But the one thing I do want you to remember is they don't just represent death. They do also represent an important letter being on its way. So you might actually get some good news rather than bad. But anyway, that is the end of our exploration of moths. As I say, I did develop a slightly new appreciation for them. They are pollinators as well, like butterflies. So we perhaps should cut them a little bit more slack, maybe. I don't know if anybody sort of has strong feelings on them either way. I don't know. There is a reason I've never done one of these on spiders yet, though. So just bear that in mind. That is also the end of our Creatures of the Night theme for January. As I say, we are doing Freaky February next month and the first two episodes are going to be as I say premature burial so obviously that's you know feeling that you've actually been buried alive and also we're going to have a look at some creepy folklore around Valentine's Day and the heart and things like that so that'll be just in time for Valentine's Day in February so until next time I hope you have a marvellous week and as I say, feel free to tweet me if you want to hear, like learn about anything specific. And that's just Icy Sedgwick. You've, I've got all the links below, so you can always get hold of us somehow. And otherwise, if that's everything, I will see you soon. Cheerio. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com. And that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead and I'll see you soon. Cheerio.